One season down, forever more to go. Welcome to Gen Lockdown right here on Rooster Team Radio. I am one of your Gen Locked hosts, the internet's what? Gen Lockdown hosts. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. That's how that's how crazy this season has been. I'm the internet's Mark Pudonica, joined as always by the rest of the Gen Lockdown team, Megan Salinas. Hey guys, I'm uh, your renegade runaway Holon pilot that's making her daring escape from this podcast. Bye! No, we just... Uh, oh, that was sad. Uh, Katie Cullen. You know, one of my favorite Nine Inch Nails songs is Copy of a, and I just re-listened to it, and oh my god, if it's not a Copy Chase song, I don't know what is. I'm building that Spotify playlist, I'll tell you what. And yeah. Stacey Shuttleworth. I would like to listen to the Spotify playlist. Bring it on. Bring it on indeed. Holy crap. This uh, this was a finale to the eight episode season of Genlock. What a hell of a debut. But I, I wanted to start with a, a question usually. Eh, how did you like the episode? No, no, no. Completely different. idea. Well, kind of a different idea. I'll start with you, Megan. Was the finale along the lines of what you were expecting? Um, you know, we, we said it earlier this season, every episode is a surprise, even when it sort of plays out, um, sort of how we're anticipating it to play out. And I have to say the finale is very similar. The, the finale resolved what we thought it was going to resolve, um, but it had a few surprises. That post credit scene, I will be honest, I did not predict. Um, there were, and there were also a few emotional beats I was not expecting us to hit. And so, you know, in true Genlock form, it played out both exactly how I thought it would and not at all how I thought it would. And I'm sorry if that's a non-committal answer. <laughs> Congratulations, you nailed it. Uh, what about you, Katie? Well, if she hadn't gone first, I would have said that exact same thing, and then I would have looked clever, but no, no, I am. Copy! Copy of a copy of a copy of a, yeah. Um, (laughs) It was pretty dang great. I agree with Megan in that there were some beats that I was expecting. There were some beats that I was glad that they executed because they'd set them up forever ago. Like, for example, Leon in the sixth mech. They dropped that he was Genlock compatible forever ago, and I'm like, well, eventually he's going to show up, pretty sure. And there he was, and there were consequences, because this is a series that firmly believes in consequences, and I love that about it. Yeah, there were some things that they set up and then executed that I appreciate. There were some things that I was absolutely not expecting. And I have to say, I think my favorite unexpected thing was... Miranda getting out of her walker and stopping our Discounticon by yelling Julian. Like, holy cow, that was an emotional play that I love that she made, but was not expecting to see. That was great. So yeah, I liked it a lot. That was very dangerous of her, and she she just decided to put throw her life on the line. I mean, she did, she's done it for the past however long she's been in the military, but holy hell, what a, what a move from her. What did you think, Stace? Was this along the line of what you were expecting? Well, not to be a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, but uh, <laughs> I feel pretty similarly. This The broader strokes was more or less where I was expecting us to go. We had certain things we had to resolve, and the things that had been set up to be resolved by the end of this season, and they did. And... It was it was the smaller, more personal interactions that ended up being the surprises, the kind of pleasant things you wouldn't have expected. Uh, you know, I was 
looking forward to it happening probably by the end of the season, but uh, all of them joining together to battle was definitely a highlight of this episode. I, I like how, how nice everybody put it because we are we are here to support this wonderful piece of animation and I'm I'm a little surprised that they didn't push it just a little bit farther. That's so yet yeah, yes to all, but they usually fed ex- like throughout the season, they fed our expectations and then just sort of went over the line just a little bit more and if anything that just leaves me more excited for next season to see what we get, but I think one of my it's not not necessarily an issue, but one of the things that I wish we saw was how the anvil survived. And with the timeline that we were given for this episode of there's another attack, it's in Chicago, we got to go, boom, 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 let's go, 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 totally made sense. And, and it worked for this. I hope that it's for, maybe it was just something that was cut for time and... and God knows these animators have worked well over time to give us this amazing show, but I wanted to ask, and I'll start with you on this one, Katie, did the explanation for how the Anvil survive work for you? It did, yeah. Again, this was another thing where they set things up early on and then executed them later. We saw in the very first episode that civilians show the Union uh, badge in his wallet and not get eaten by nanotech along with his family. You know, that that family that's going to have some marital issues because the wife sure as hell didn't know that he was a union sympathizer. So the fact that they showed us that and that the nanotech is smart enough to go around people who have that alliance to the union and then explained it as, yeah, Dr. Weller had this figured out. He gave us the tech. We deployed it just in time. I will absolutely buy it because they planted the seeds of that way back in episode one. So, yeah. Yeah, as much as I was reveling in the they've murdered everyone uh, revelation, I really enjoyed the fix that they gave us because it's solid and believable. You do like your reveling. What about you, Stacey? What did you think? Uh, Yes, I do think that it, it worked as far as them being able to kind of circumvent the nanotech or, you know, give it the we are not a threat signal. Uh, I'm a little fuzzy on, on it just kind of dissipating and disappearing but I guess we haven't seen too much about how that nanotech works. But I think that the explanation we were given is definitely something that we have been led to or shown that was a possibility. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. What about you, Megan? I have to agree with you, Mark. I think in a vacuum, it works, um, especially because, uh, you know, so much of what I loved about the last episode was how much our team was directionless and felt like they, you know, they, they couldn't make contact with, their friends if their friends survived and that uncertainty I really appreciated so I I really liked the way they reconnected um with Migus at, at you know towards the top of the episode I felt like that was really emotionally resonant and then kind of hand waving things worked for me because it's a mad sprint to the finish line where we have to confront Nemesis I totally get that for pacing I'm with you, Mark, though. I want a flashback episode next season where we get to see, because where we get to see them, this whole scenario play out, because Miranda at the, you know, is just as important as Chase's in this series. So I would love, and, and, you know, as great as it is to have all of our pilots there, you know, 
all of our our uh, the the other members of the vanguard are just as important as everybody who's genlock compatible or as as our Holon pilots. So I would love there's an episode of Agents of Shield where uh you know after Winter Soldier happened um there's an entire episode about a bunch of side shield characters like Mockingbird and Mac and Isabel who was played by Lucy Lawless like there's an entire flashback episode of them on like an aircraft carrier or something on like some boat out in the middle of the ocean having to deal with Hydra agents who just turned you know after winter sold after the the events of winter soldier and it was so cool watching this flashback going like i know most of these characters make it out of it because they pop up later on in the timeline of the season but like it's so cool seeing these side characters having to survive this very harrowing situation after this this horrible attack trying to keep the assets on this particular vessel safe I would absolutely adore seeing that exact same thing in Genlock with the anvil. Because I think, I, I agree, Megan. I I think I was still watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at that time. <laughs> but I, I, I remember that episode in particular being one of my favorites of the season. And when it comes to this, so many decisions for Chicago came from, uh, came from this incident. Like, do we see Leon finally biting the bullet and going, no, I'm going to get in that thing? Do we see, what do we see for the relationship of Jody and Miranda? You know, like you mentioned, Miranda was presented at the top of this season as second, not equal tier as Julian when it comes to a main character. This is somebody who's going to be in the forefront. And I think the, the fact that we haven't, seen her that much in these past couple of episodes is a little bit of a cop-out but makes sense for the the storyline that we were trying to follow and how much time we had so in a production sense it totally makes perfect sense but yeah i I was left wanting a little bit more and we're also as as rooster teeth fans we're used to our finales now being like double the amount of time so i think the expectations created by other franchises made maybe made this appear to be a little bit bigger than what we got, but in a vacuum, it all works and it all worked. So actually um, I was going to save this question until a little bit later, but I think this particular episode, this particular content, Megan, that you bring up would be a great way to have uh, between the seasons content like we get for all of the other rooster teeth animated franchises and but i wanted to present that question do you see any between seasons content like a christmas special or um though i guess we haven't gotten any we haven't gotten anything with nomad but like what what sort of between seasons content if any do you see and i'll start with stacy on this one i'd love to see them do just kind of something silly with our crew and just let them maybe have that party that they never had as a little short. Uh, However, as far as like looking back at what was going on the anvil, uh, what was going on at the anvil, I would actually like that to be included in season two proper because I I feel like it is important enough to the storyline and to the characters that we have that that's part of the, I guess, main storyline. Yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. 
Uh, what do you think, Megan? I would absolutely love additional content. I'm I'm with Stacy. If we we get the full on Anvil flashback episode, I would want that in the series. Um, I would want that as a full episode. Um, that being said, I would absolutely love character bios or World of Remnant style informational sort of videos with more world building, maybe going into the history of the Union or you know what would be really cool? Union propaganda videos. Because we still know next to nothing about the Union. So I think Union pro- propaganda videos would be really great. Um, it, whatever, whatever sort of supplementary material I would want, I think it would have to match the tone of Genlock because like as much as I would love that Christmas party short or um you know a spooky Halloween episode <laughs> I I I absolutely kind of feel like that doesn't necessarily mesh with the tone of the show um that being said it would also be great to get like an episode of like we hop into the ether for a couple minutes and like we see a concert or we play a game dude commercial like in-game cutscenes for uh siege like kind of go full kingdom hearts 3 with it where we have uh where yeah where it turns out siege is the key to everything all along (laughs) don't you get me started on yazora i want them playing siege so badly oh my god like you you you, with a second you pose the question hey what kind of what kind of content do you want? I'm like, I want to see what a raid in Siege looks like. Or Siege 2. They keep talking about it. Show me, show me, show me, show me, show me. Well, I mean, we have a an in-house game developer. Why don't we see Siege practically? Yes. All of the above. <laughs> Just show me Siege. Guys, 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 guys. In-universe, there is a production company that uses siege's in-game engine to make animated shorts the the only response i would have to that is uh hey <laughs> go on i feel like this is going to be cammy and migus's uh, new hobby when they have downtime now <laughs> oh god this is their ongoing project oh it absolutely would be look at these these two mods that i have oh my god these are amazing and you did this and that and the other yeah and it changes colors and it does this and if you do it this way you can phase through walls <gasps> i need it that's too inside baseball <laughs> migus and cammy already have pages and pages of fan fiction that they can just adapt into a series so i yeah it's it's an easy transition fan fiction about what whatever life <laughs> what is siege about uh cammy seems like the type of person that would write fan fiction about what happens at the anvil um <laughs> cammy has three different future ao3 accounts that all post completely different genres and one of them is procedurally generated as an experiment and that is the one that gets the highest hits and the most comments and a good amount of fan art. The procedurally generated one. Gross. Uh, also, <laughs> Kazu is caboose. But um, other than that, um, I <laughs> or yes. donut or donut. But um, mm. Stacy, for for your comments, are you saying beach episode? Because I'm thinking beach episode. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and but then yes. Megan, 
in terms of what you said in terms of World of Remnant, we were introduced to a storytelling device in Ruby Volume 6, sorry for spoilers, where we had our characters walking through the memories of people. I want to see, because of the mind meld, we see our one character walking through another character's memories like they're their own, and like the placement being wrong or culture starting to mix or memories starting to mix sort of like a, a bleeding effect of what everybody is remembering, but it gives us that backstory. Dude, I got goosebumps as you were describing it. And what I'm kind of picturing is a full on like final fantasy seven. Somebody's not like sure who they are anymore because of the way their memories have, um, blended to you know together with their cohorts or or maybe somebody you know the union has come in and has started manually manipulating their memories um so yeah i am all on board with actually physically walking into somebody's mental memory sort of with with that just like as the the memory being the architecture in which you're walking around in the key if you will nah, mm, nah. it's been it's been done uh, <laughs> we're, on, we're on season 17 for god's sakes but um look i will take my drift compatibility and sprint with it but speaking of so sort of like a holodeck type of a thing megan yeah, yeah. absolutely absolutely what and bringing up star trek that just reminded me in terms of the like the the stuff with the nanotech now they sort of have genlock has their equivalent of shifting shield frequencies and it not being that big of a deal anymore so yeah cool i'm i'm up for that type of stuff but we're we're talking about now the mind meld and i want to ask I'll, I'll go back to you megan what ramifications do you think we're going to see from the five way mind meld um that's going to be an interesting one. Um, when when it was Valentina and Kazu, and um, you know, the, there's the the strumming on the guitar. You know, at that point, you know, uh, they had each only connected with one person, so like it was very clear like whose memories those actually were. I think the kind of ramifications of the the combined mind meld are going to be having memories and not being sure where they came from and or like i don't i it's entirely possible that combining multiple consciousnesses like that could in fact create a new consciousness and well hear me out hear me out i'm not <laughs> like kind of a steven universe sort of fusion sort of situation like a digital fusion um, what I'm concerned about is that now that Julian is completely digital and, you know, we, I know we'll touch on this, but now that Julian is now no longer able to download back into his body, if that sort of collective being could potentially overwrite him. And I know that a good chunk of the episode was focusing on how it's important to evolve and grow and change manually being overwritten because your data feels a little different than just growing and evolving and changing with the situation. I feel like that's going to be some of the focus of this next season. 
I think in terms of next season, we are going to get some, hey, this is what the union kind of is and how they came about and what they do. But I also think that we're going to be experimenting more with the mind meld, as it were, and setting down boundaries, seeing how it affects them. Does it affect them more thoroughly when it's just two people? Is it more balanced when there's all five? And how does that affect their day to day? Do they start picking up each other's habits? Do they start being able to anticipate each other's movements? Like, how does this bleed over work? And what systems do they put into place to prevent becoming an amalgamate? Uh, yeah, I think because we've touched on the fear that they have going into this a little bit, right? The reservations about sharing yourself completely with someone like that. And I don't think it's going to go away after this experience. Uh, I'd like to think that having these shared experiences will end up being a more comforting situation that expands understanding. But I absolutely feel like we're going to have some moments of I mean, probably genuine fear if someone experiences a memory. I mean, they've all been through some stuff. So if they pick up on that and, you know, Cammy wakes up with a nightmare about being in the union and can't orient what's going on, then that's going to make for some interesting open conversations for them to have. Yeah. I the The sort of misplacement of not knowing whose memories or what can lead to sort of something that we were teased at in the final confrontation, which was uh, Nemesis Chase or OG Chase tapping ours on the head and at the very least giving him an image of the various copies that may or may not exist. He could very well be lying, but who knows what other data got in there who knows if julian grabbed anything else when he was looking for those uh, looking for the makeup of the new version of the nanotech and maybe all of this displacement happens is anything of leon's on the brain frame are they going to have to journey to the center of the brain in order to save leon's consciousness that's that's some of the stuff that they're going to be presenting to us when it comes to season two, but there's a lot that they presented to us in season one that we didn't get. But before we go on to talk about the rest of the season, we wanted to remind you how you can help support our shows here on Rooster Team Radio. While I uh, sort of extend and drag out what I'm saying here in order to look up if we have any iTunes reviews, um, I wanted to remind you that you can go to anchor.fm slash the rooster team and support us by signing us for a financial donation, uh, financial subscription. It's uh, you, you either sign up for a dollar or $5 or $10 a month. That goes to us. That goes to us making, uh, uh, making new stuff, taking more time to develop more original content like welcome to Vale. It allows us to get better equipment. So that would be very helpful. But there's there's a lot out there that we could uh, use your help on, and we appreciate your support. Whether it's just whether it's doing that, whether it's sharing the show, whether it's joining our Discord. So make sure you join our Discord. But also a great way to get us 
uh, sort of noticed on the podcast landscape other than sharing us is leaving us a review. If you go to iTunes and leave us a review, that allows us to pop up if people are looking for Genlock stuff. If people are looking for red versus blue stuff, hint, then leaving us a review would provide a way for people to find us. And I wanted to thank a couple of folks that have left us some reviews. Um, I want to, uh, I just love them. Uh, sent by Reflex123. This review panel is comprised of people I know from the internet, and I've loved their take in discussions on various media. In fact, I blame their influence for trying out new-to-me shows, not all Rooster Teeth related, because of their enthusiasm for the properties. I always want to hear their thoughts on what the latest episode brings us all, and to see if there is an emotionally scarred as I am in the aftermath. This is a team that will applaud the narrative twists, dissect the clues, and just have a great old time doing it. Thank you very much for that. And then also, uh, on we got another five-star review. Super awesome podcast from JJ 352Y. I've listened to y'all since the Ruby After Shows, and I love your insight into Genlock. And if we don't get Tengen Tapa Super Hall on, we riot. <laughs> so thank you very much for those reviews. And uh, there's another way you can help support us too. And I think, Katie, you have more information on that. I do. We have a sponsor. Uh, Rooster Team Radio is sponsored by Fred's BS, Breads and Spreads by Fred. Fred's BS is an L.A. local one-man baked goods business that offers unique flavors in small batches. Whether you're looking for homemade jams, brownies, blondies, or brown sugar buddies, the best cookies you've ever had, Fred's BS can provide. All products are made in small batches with fresh ingredients, nothing is ever frozen, and Fred provides a plethora of flavors that can't be found in stores, like the aforementioned brown sugar buddies or his strawberry peach paradise sunrise jam. Also, if you're L.A. local, you can choose pickup instead of delivery and get your goods even sooner. Head to fredsbs.com and use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM for 20% off your entire order. That's fredsbs.com, F-R-E-D-S-B-S.com, and coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM, team with an M. Fred's BS. Treat yourself, because you deserve it. Thank you, Katie, and thank you, Fred, and thank you to anybody who has supported us up to this point. We we really do appreciate everything. We're trying some stuff, throwing it at the wall to see what sticks, and I think that's going to be made more apparent coming up in these next couple of weeks as we transition into Red versus Blue and The Weird Place and a whole bunch of other experimental content that Rooster Teeth is doing, as so too will we. So make sure to, to stay tuned here. Tell your friends if you, if you want a place to discuss uh, some of the major franchises that Rooster Teeth is doing or just general nerdery. Join us on Discord and we'll have a more direct line to be able to talk to you than through audio podcasts because that's it's not the best way. All right, getting back into the season finale of Genlock, season one. So now Julian gets locked out of his body. He has come to the terms with the fact that he is this digital presence now. And so what I want to know from y'all is how do you see Julian's future playing out? And I'll start with Katie on this one. This this was not a development that I was expecting to see so soon, honestly. I figured that we would eventually see what would happen when uptime was exceeded. I didn't realize it was going to be an anamorph sort of thing and that you would be stuck there. Like, tell me I'm wrong. That 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 very much hit me as sorry, you stayed in morph for more than two for more than 2 hours, you're done. Um, <laughs> you hush. It's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, um I think that it'll probably oh, fucking words I swear to god 
I wouldn't be surprised to see some of what Megan predicted play out with him struggling with what is his identity when he no longer has a physical body, because it's one thing to take that step, and it's another thing to really get used to it. Like, in the moment, at that point, yes, it was what needed to be done, but how is he going to handle it tomorrow and next week and next month? It took him four years to get used to what his body had become, and even then he was still experiencing some issues, and now he no longer has that physical body. So how is that going to change things? And how will existing only in the digital space, when we've seen that memory transfer is possible, affect him as well? I was surprised also that it happened so soon. I did think that it was likely we would see uptime exceeded and that it would most likely be Chase. Uh, to see the very strict limits actually play out, as you know, as Katie mentioned, when you're done, it's done. That was a little surprising. I know we've been told that if you exceed uptime, there are huge repercussions, uh, but there's really no curve on it, and it kind of drove home how serious their limits are. I think watching Julian kind of adapt to this, he's, he's kind of been hanging in limbo, I feel like, for the past four years, both hoping to go back to his own old team and getting used to being part of a new team. And this is a big step and a lot to handle. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he does it. I'm glad he's got the team around him. The pacing of this particular moment is really the only thing I kind of had an issue with in this finale, um, because we finally get Chase's reasoning as to why he was so reluctant to uh, connect with other people, you know, we and we got it a lot in the last episode, too. He was clinging to the past and, you know, he was still wearing his Vanguard uniform. Now he's wearing his Genlock uniform, and so he's... He's moving on, but even so, they're still beckoning him to, to join them, and he's still resisting and because his mind is all he has left. And Yaz convinces him, and then two seconds later, he's like, okay, I'm, real, I, I'm basically willing to sacrifice myself so that you guys can, you know, so that you guys can escape and uh, come back into the digital space in a little bit. And it was it it was such a breakneck change of like okay I'm willing to connect to all of a sudden yeah I'll throw my life away for you guys it and obviously that's not what that's not what it was I'm being hyperbolic but it it just seemed like such an abrupt moment to me that it's it's really the only thing I took issue with in this episode like I would have preferred it if they had convinced him to connect. And then something had happened that prevented them from connecting at that moment. And then like 10 minutes later, that's when he decides to make that choice. It's it again. It, but this is me being really, really nitpicky. This is still a solid finale. That being said, what his future holds, um, I'm sitting here going like, I don't know, maybe make a robot chase. That he could, and obviously the technology is still real buggy, but I'm like, uh, maybe maybe get somebody to 3, 3D print him an Android body of some sort uh, so that he can be normal person-sized and walk around. I don't know. 
maybe maybe that's not a, sol- a viable solution at the moment. Um, but I think much in line with this, the the whole theme of this show, he's going to continue to change and move forward. And the only way he's not going to slip back and become what Nemesis is, is through the love and support of the people around him. It was the power of friendship all along. Yeah, but I think that will be a struggle. I I think Katie has a good point in terms of like, that's going to be something, it's not going to be an easy hurdle to overcome. Well, I, I agree with you, Megan, in terms of this being an issue that sort of stood out to me and... It's, it's hard because this type of reaction I would associate more with like a pig-headed dude of somebody saying, you know what, it's time to change. And then all of a sudden, you know what, yeah, fine, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. And this is what's going to happen. You want me to change, here we go. <laughs> and it, it this, <laughs> this was not uh, th- with the amount of time that passed between having this heartfelt moment and nah, I'm going to do it. Felt a little weird. I was going to say, to to the show's credit and to the to the defense of that particular narrative choice he was introduced to us in episode 1 as someone who would gladly lay down his life for the people that he cares about so i get it i get it but at the same time it did it just just feel really abrupt pacing wise so sorry i, I didn't mean to interrupt no 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 you're fine i think th- there are a couple of options that we can go to when it comes to julian like like we we're talking about when it, when it comes to I think the answer has been staring us in the face as soon as we saw the brain space as soon as we saw Val Valentina see Valentina seeing themselves as Val in the brain space but externally it's Valentina and that that sort of clashing with the idea that Weller had of sort of self image and how you see yourself and the true fluidity of how it can be and so i think it's it's going to be more of a mental game of julian being okay with who he is and (laughs) now that this is this is a joke but possibly you know a toaster a fridge uh whatever (laughs) but just being like i am this digital consciousness and i can pop up wherever and however i see fit and it seems like from the language that they were presenting, as long as he has a break from the Holon and from the brain space, he'll sort of stave off being corrupted a little bit more. But then as that corruption seeps in, it affects the other team members, etc., etc., etc. But I think it's it's going there might be a message of self-image and being comfortable with self-image and Val Valentina being our spearhead for that. And then Kazu's understanding and Kazu's understanding and acceptance of what that means and what that is that we've been getting throughout this entire season as well. I kind of want to lean into the corruption bit a little bit. And this, this goes back to me being in the red versus blue fandom for years and a lot of conversation with other fans, but the idea comes up of is insanity contagious. If one person has suffered a mental brain and we're talking in like fantasy sci-fi terms here i want to completely divorce this from anything even close to real life just want to put that out there 
But if someone suffers that kind of mental break, the corruption, the corruption that we saw from OG Julian Nemesis, and then mind melds with someone else, does that pass the corruption on? Does that cause issues in other people? Like this, you know, for me started in red versus blue fandom and kind of passing Epsilon around, if you will. And so th I would love... I don't know if I'd love to see that explored, honestly. I think it would be terrifying, but I'd love to see it addressed. Sure, sure. And I'd, I'd even, I wonder if we see, I know I mentioned a little bit ago, but if we see Julian going into, going all the way through the other side, going into Leon's brain brain, not his cyber brain, and trying to bring him back from the brink and maybe as that happens one of the ideas that you had earlier in the season katie of maybe nemesis chase who is still some sort of a remnant on the system finds a way to steal leon's body that would be so fucked up i love it it'd be real creepy real real creepy, it'd be real creepy. It'd be real, it's a full-on possession story yeah. i love it i love it i love it if we can make spectral stuff happen in sci-fi happy boy happy, happy folks all around happy beeps but um, <laughs> Megan, not in character but definitely out of it Megan you brought it up and so I wanted to touch on it a little bit that post credit scene of all of the post credit scenes that we could have gotten that was sort of the least expected one which I would say kudos but I, I want to know your thoughts what were you expecting etc etc starting with you Megan I had so many ridiculous theories like literally as the credits were rolling I'm like, what if it's this? What if it's this? What if it's this? Yeah, what what what, what about those ideas, huh? <laughs> um, one of my ideas was that it was gonna kind of be a jokey, um, a jokey one where, mm. like, yeah, it would be like they actually do have the the call sign party, um, or or like I don't know, it would be Caliban and Abel having having a little chat. Um, with Gilbert and Sullivan lyrics, um, there were there. I I kind of thought get like we we might see a little bit of Nemesis mind space. Like you know we we get that very strong indication of there are many copies of Julian now. Like the 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 Nemesis that was defeated isn't you know. There, we, we, the, the heavy implication is that it's not original Julian, that it is, in fact, a co uh, like another copy of Julian. So, like, I was wondering if maybe we were going to get a quick peek inside of the inner workings of the Union, since that hasn't been something that we've delved into yet. And so when we hopped over to the Union, I was excited. I was like, ooh, okay, like, we're finally going to get into some nitty gritty um, but yeah, Sinclair was not somebody I was anticipating. Um, although, like, uh, there was also the the possibility that they were going to be out, you know, uh, customizing the sixth Holon, um, not necessarily for Leon, but for another candidate that they had that they were suiting up, Doctor Henry Wu. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Um, 
they, so yeah, there were a lot of things that was running through my mind, and much like you alluded to at the at the top of the episode, Mark, I was just throwing stuff at the wall to see what would stick, and I I didn't realize until we actually got the credit scene that I was actually missing the wall completely and just throwing things into the empty air. I mean, that's where they sort of kept us on point of <laughs> oh yeah, there's still definite areas for them to surprise us. I pretty much agree. Like, we were throwing stuff at the wall. We were trying to figure out, well, maybe we'll see his sister. Well, maybe we'll see this. Well, maybe we'll see that. And then it was something just completely out of left field that none of us expected. And I absolutely loved it. We went back and re we rewatched pieces of it. Like, he looks like he's been beaten to hell and back, theorizing about whether he's a recruit whether he's hiding out whether he escaped or if they think they haven't brainwashed like it could be anything going on with him right now and we also stopped and looked at the signage because there was a sign there with that the long and very short of it is stop and frisk is a thing that is accepted and known and expected and if you resist it will be seen as an act of insurgency like the union's hecked up, man. Yeah, it's very bad. Union is equals bad. Yeah, it's it's extremely Soviet. Man, that was a surprise. Uh, that was not at all what I expected. I did expect us to kind of pivot to the union point of view a little bit. Uh, I feel like we're going to head there a bit in season two also, so I would not have been surprised of seeing a little behind the scenes from their side of things during this battle, or some conversation concerning Chase and the copies, uh, something to give, or of, of Chase's sister, to give us a glimpse of what's going on over there, to kind of tease more things that we need to learn about. Seeing Sinclair again opens up a whole new avenues, uh, avenue of possibilities, and it brings up some questions about the union too i'd always gotten the impression that it was extremely military very heavily controlled and that those soldiers were on extremely strict orders and you know no stepping out of line was tolerated it seemed like they were heavily monitored mm. so this kind of breaking away with and revealing of sinclair brought up a whole bunch of huge questions kind of of how things actually operate and what is he doing? How is he doing it? Very very much so. I was in the same boat. I thought, I was like, okay, we're going to get a, a payoff to the Dree sequence in the ether. Nope. I thought we were going to see Chase's mom having something to do with the higher-ups of the Union or maybe being a political prisoner. Or since the revelation that that Chase was a copy of a copy of a et cetera, et cetera, that we were going to see legit og chase with his family or something of that nature but we we were alluding to i i wonder if we're going to get another sort of flip of the idea of what is expected where sort of always moving forward where sinclair we he meets up with the the vanguard and all this stuff and all of the stuff that he's been through makes him incompatible and we find out that there there is another Blue Ranger out there or whatever. And Sinclair has something to do or there's a natural turn to villainy or whatever. But I it was interesting. This is the first time we have seen under a hood of a Union soldier. And that's 
very bizarre. And the fact that the the helmets are designed to have that just ghastly like skeleton. Yeah, the, the ghastly skeletal image. And it's just, nope, it's just a, a scared dude under there. You know what that skull reminded me of? If anyone has seen the Doctor Who episode Silence in the Library. Yes. Yeah. I got that impression too. It was full on who turned out the lights over here. It was so, so creepy. And if you're standing, if, if your uniforms involve helmets with tinted visors that make your face look like a skull can you really stand there and ask yourself if you're the good guys because the answer is probably no or you're on the wrong side (laughs) yeah just that moment of are we the bad guys well we did murder some children yesterday but but they were rebel children so it's fine no but they were still children uh Highly recommend everybody go and look up that Mitchell and Webb look, because that's where that gif of, are we the baddies, comes from, and it's a wonderful sketch. Highly recommend. So, yeah. sort of sort of one of the last things that, that I had, at least, was I want expectations for season two. What do you want? What are you hoping for? And I'll start with Stacy on this one. I mean, I'll say again, I think we're going to see a little bit more from the point of view of the Union, at least so we can start understanding how they operate, why they're operating as such, and it'll kind of, as as our team learns about how the Union operates, hopefully so will we, with that contrasting point of view. Uh, I, and now we're going to be exploring that mind frame more, and I think that we will have an arc where we go after Leon, because look, we need Leon back. See it, I see it, it's there. I, I absolutely want us to rescue Leon from his coma. Um, I yeah, same thing. I, I I've been clamoring for union details since episode one of our Gen Lockdown <laughs> um, sort of uh, sort of discussions. Um, I, not to sound like a broken record, I really want with the mental mind meld and the fact that we can customize our robots. I'm really looking for those robots to all physically hook up when the mental mind link happens uh, is to, to form a Voltron-esque sort of giant Holon creature that would then have a sword uh, and magical space powers <laughs> because that's how Voltron works. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, just more giant robot tropes. I, w- I want them all to combine. I want that sixth ranger. Um, you know, oh gosh, there, there's a part of me that kind of really loves this, the, the dynamic in Gundam series about it being the space colonies versus earth and how like both points of view are valid and very human and both sides are willing to commit terrible acts in order to accomplish their goals I don't think we, we're we ever going to get that level of nuance with the Union because of just how blatantly evil they seem. But I would absolutely love to get more human Union stories. And I really think the key to that is Yaz. I think, much like you were talking about, Mark, we're going to take a walk through her memories and we're going to see what it was like, what like actually see what it was like growing up in the union and then also kind of a, another dynamic that I, I'm sure we'll see more explicitly 
is the union's treatment of individuals who are different like Val, um, like Valentina. So uh, that's that that in particular is not something I want to see. <laughs> that's something that like subtextually is fine right where it is. But, you know, if this show doesn't seem like it's afraid of having those sorts of discussions and we're living in a world where those discussions are very necessary. So I I kind of see us going in that direction for season two. That's a good point. I like I like them ideas, too. What, what do you got, Katie? What what weird sort of threesome killer sort of stuff? Let's hear it. Bust it out. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to start with the threesome. That's, yeah, yeah, you got to build to it. No. <laughs> Hello, you don't need to sell five. I'm right here. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and we did actually just high five. Um. Yeah. No, I'd I'd be down for a threesome, Jody and Miranda and Chase. I mean, that's how you resolve your romantic issues. You just fucking go for it. Man, if if we had somebody doing captions for this show, they would they would probably stop at that last statement and go, "I should probably call and see what she meant." I'm to clarify. Oh no, I think I was very clear. Phrasing. Ah, ah, ah. Consent is always a thing, of course. But yeah, yeah, threesomes. Um, thank you for starting with that. Anyway, I want the history lesson on the union. Where did they come from? How did they develop? Give me the gin level lore drop. Let's just go. Give me that history lesson. Give me the flashback episode. Give me the briefing. I don't care how you put it, but show me how this horrifying juggernaut came along. Show me the technological development. Show me the political development. Show me where it started and its influencers and hell, maybe its leaders. All we've seen are robots and Chase, except not Chase anymore because he's real hecked up, and stormtroopers, essentially. So show me how all of this started. That's that that is my big wish for this. Um I'm sure I had another one, but hell if I can remember. Oh yeah. Yeah, where's Chase's family? Where are they? Where did they go? Fair. That's all that's all very fair ideas. We we've got to have some of a I I like the idea of union propaganda, Megan, which I believe you came up with, am I right? Yep. That was me. Okay, so I like that idea of maybe giving us a little bit of glimpse and maybe by the end of it, us sort of tracking back and seeing what life in the union is like and seeing how people are reacting to this variety of terrifying propaganda against the the union, against the vanguard, not the union, against the polity and against... <coughs> <coughs> against the polity and against the vanguard but um in terms of season two for me i'm hoping we go so we were presented by with this idea that with the modifications and with the melding we're losing uptime so that means they either have to increase the capacity of what the uptime can be or they need to be able to adapt better and so i'm gonna go a little uh crazy with this and say they need to have body modifications that match what their genlock modifications are so that the self-identify thing of what's accessible to them leads to more uptime and that's 
probably silly, and I don't know if they'd ever go that way because having uh, <laughs> having Yaz walking around with giant golden wings and eye lasers, or uh, ca- uh, uh, Yaz Kazu walking around with uh, Shogun armor and a giant sword, as opposed to Kami, where I can totally see uh, a whole bunch of drones, or uh, Valentina having that sweet invisibility cloak. Yeah, I th- I think I love it's that possible. You bypass the rabbit legs for Cammy. Well, she she already is there with the ether, and she did that so that she could feel a little bit more her height while maintaining the technical aspect. So she's she's already there in the self identification place, but having the stuff available to their person on an everyday aspect, yeah. I don't know. Everybody had really good ideas, and that was just sort of the one that didn't get said. I love it, though. But it's uh, it's something. There's. I wonder if they'll get more than eight episodes. We've seen certain shows grow by a couple and some double. So if they can pull it off, if there's the budget to pay all of this amazing talent for more than eight episodes, maybe we get ten. Who knows? But... Um, I'm really excited for what's to come. Is there anything else about the finale that anybody wanted to cover? I'm mostly just questioning looking forward. Do we think that season two is going to drop next calendar year in the way of most Rooster Teeth animated shows? Or do we think it's going to be a bit of a longer stretch because of the talent, because of the budget, because of the level of the animation? Like this... To me, this doesn't seem like something where they can crank out a season a year. It seems like this is going to take a little more time. Well, I think uh, with the supplementary studios, as evident by the end credits or what have you, there's a lot of other animation studios that went into the development of the show. And not to say that Rooster Teeth wouldn't be able to handle it, but they I feel like they finally hit their stride as uh, after a couple of the the first episodes and with uh, patchwork in place now it's more of a okay maybe we have some new sets to do but we have all of these assets that have already been created and so it that takes away some of the R&D but if you keep some of the some of the 3D team working on a little bit of it, a little bit of it, prepping for the next season. In terms of the talent, you can send uh, VO booths to whatever set, whatever. Uh, you, there, there's also, depending on where the folks live, there's plenty of vocal recording places in the major me- the major metropolitan cityscapes, and or you, or you just fly them in. So it's not I don't evidenced by not knowing what the hell's going on with Nomad of Nowhere. Maybe there is more than the calendar year schedule that Rooster Teeth is working off of that they haven't made public yet. So it's it's a valid valid thought. Does does anybody else have any ideas about it? Um, in terms of their schedule, no, no clue. Um, that's something I feel like I'm just I'm willing to just sort of wait and see because I'm I'm just excited for like summer of animation to come back for for Camp Camp and. Uh, ultimately when Ruby comes back and and if I I feel like if I dwell too long on when we're gonna get release dates for for Nomad and for Genlock I'm gonna drive myself crazy um (laughs) as far as this 
episode goes and as far as the season goes, um, I know we we sort of already touched on it, but uh, that that moment where Miranda steps in front, uh, you know, and and addresses Nemesis as Julian, and it stops. Like even even the copy of a copy of a copy, still deep down, there there's some humanity there. And so that's going to be interesting in seeing if other copies of copies of copies still have those aspects of humanity within them or if they're going to be corrupted in different ways. That's going to be interesting. But um, as you said, Mark, I, I feel a little shortchanged from Miranda and Jody, and and yeah, even Leon in this season. Um, uh, although this the getting that moment with Leon in the hall on was such a, a cool big damn hero moment for me. Like it totally made up for, um, uh, you know, not having the Vanguard as present in this season. But I really, really hope that with more episodes and more time, we get more time devoted to Miranda and to Jody because we had this nice moment where she and Julian kind of both acknowledged that they both died that day that you know that the union attacked and in different ways and they're both putting themselves together in different ways and becoming someone new in different ways and it would be nice to get to see that from Miranda a little bit more instead of just seeing it through the lens of Chase's perspective again not that there was anything wrong with that we didn't have a ton of time they packed a lot into this season and I don't want to get greedy and I don't want to get nitpicky but I would love more I would love more of her because I love her well I think you you also brought up a good idea just now what if we get war journals where it's the perspective of some of the characters that we haven't heard that much of hell yeah yes the the story of how Jody and Miranda fell in love would be cool to me. At the same time, I I think that that would be that should be in the sh- that should be in the show for sure for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Stacy, did you have any thoughts on the production schedule or any remaining thoughts for season one of Genlock? Uh, I think you kind of nailed it with the production schedule. Uh, I I don't think I'm in a place to make any predictions about where they are or what their what their timeline looks like. Uh, Although Megan's point about the copies still, uh, you know, having some humanity, still clearly caring about Miranda, made me kind of think and wonder, do you think the Union is making copies that are devoid of that humanity? Or are they trying to keep that humanity and preserve it in order to build a better fighter? So I wonder if we're going to explore that idea. Uh And honestly, the whole, so the entire nemesis plotline in this episode, I I knew this would be a really uncomfortable topic for me. We delved really deep into what humanity means and what makes someone human. And watching the team kind of approach this with, oh, we're going to kill him. We just have to destroy him. We have to end him. Kind of surprised me. At first, there was a very matter-of-fact... Like, it's what needed to be done, but it was a very matter-of-fact decision. And I wonder if that's going to have ramifications now that Chase is also completely digital. How do we approach humanity now when we've already made such a judgment? That's a very good point. I would also argue that they put Nemesis down 
because he was so corrupted, because he was obviously in pain. You see him in the mindscape and he is literally coming apart at the seams. Like, I think it's less a matter of this version of Chase is no longer human because no longer in a human body and more a matter of this version of Chase is a shambling mess with if we had the time and the facilities, maybe we could really rehabilitate him. But he isn't a giant robot that is attempting to murder us and the rest of our team, and we don't have that luxury. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I agree with you that it's an interesting decision. It's an interesting conversation. But I can also see the pragmatic side of it of we can't rehabilitate one that's this broken with what we have now, and we can't just let him go. Well, I, I really like that point because the, the issue here was the nanotech. They took care of the nanotech. It was gone. And all of the main weapons capabilities, the new weapons capabilities of the nemesis were nullified. And I think the initial drop from however high it was, was a sort of a retouching of started the season of Julian falling from the sky and dying. And it sort of replayed that moment and recontextualized that moment. But I, I, I wonder if because they were all melded was, was Julian's urge, urge to purge hashtag urge to purge ah! was, was somebody's desire to end the nemesis and I'm, I'm i'm not specifically julian but was any was there such an urge to kill rising that just carried over the rest of the team and that's why they went through with it and is that something that's going to be brought up in the future like we, we are talking about how important the mindscape is going to be and if if somebody is going to remember i didn't want to do it but that was somebody else's thought, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we get these doubts from that moment, and then they have to recontextualize that as more copies are coming. That's a really good point of view, Stacey. Holy crap. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like this is something we're going to struggle with in this show, right? It, it introduced some really dark ideas about what it means to be human and where we can go with humanity. So I think we're going to have a lot of difficult moments. And yeah, we didn't have the luxury. And honestly, I think that Chase, the Julian in Nemesis did more or less ask you know, Chase to go through with it. But are we going, if there are multiple copies, do we do this on a case-by-case -case basis from here on out? Are there some that aren't corrupted to the point where they sh can no longer live? I don't know. Yeah, it, it reminds me of a storyline from a popular movie in the box office right now to which i'm not going to mention <laughs> that sort of changed our views our preconceived notions of uh a certain villain and how they handled it in the universe of the movie was something that i really liked and and i think genlock will play with our perceptions further holy damn that's gonna um, mess with me to to your point stacy um we still don't know what has happened to the original Julian. Um, because if they're making multiple... You know, I, I theorized earlier this season that Nemesis could have been a copy of a copy of a copy. And we get that confirmed. Which means that 
original Julian's mind may in fact be in storage somewhere because again yeah you you have a genlock compatible brain you don't necessarily want to break it the union has no morals but they are pragmatic I imagine so if OG Julian is still there and the team has shown a willingness to to kill you know copies you know corrupted copies if OG Julian still exists, how do we reconcile? And I imagine this won't happen until the end of the series or until the end of this particular arc of Chase's identity. Um, how do we reconcile what happens if and when we get OG Julian back with the Julian we come to know? Because it's like, do the, can those two identities merge or are do we allow them to live their sort of separate existences super julian <laughs> um the threesome is now a foursome is it it's just gonna keep expanding <laughs> here we go <laughs> why not why wouldn't it be anyway i actually leaning on the creepy side of this we have copies of copies of copies, supposedly. How soon until we're fighting multiple nemesis units at once? That And actually, that brings up another point. I was wondering if of the union that we were going to see in the post credit scene, if they were going to they were going to pan up and reveal that they had like a stockyard, a shipyard of nemeses and like all at once, they all sort of load up and you hear just a rousing chorus of Julian Chase saying, kill the copy. Yikes! Oh, oh, so good. It's too spooky. It's just a little too spooky for me. All of them together go, let the good times roll. It, it's sort of a show me what you got. Let the good times roll. <laughs> what? And, but here's... I, uh, I just came up with another idea, but I don't think it'll happen. In Julian's um, wild and crazy journey through the digital space, what if he gets into Caliban and explores some of the doctor's notes firsthand or doctor's memories firsthand? Yes. Just yes. I think that's reasonable. Uh, I, I think we've kind of seen Julian be set up to kind of step into Weller's place, right? Or at least take over part of his duties. So I wouldn't be surprised if he learns a bit more. Something like that something all right uh we're we've crossed the threshold of an hour so i'm gonna go around one more time and i'll start with megan final thoughts on genlock season one absolutely phenomenal congratulations to the entire cast and crew you put on a fantastic show well done gray um and i'm so happy for uh, Migus and Cammy's future production endeavors together as they form uh, a little animation production company. <laughs> yep, yep, that sounds about right. Dear everyone who worked on Genlock, thank you for reminding me why I like mecha anime so much. Holy cow! Like, Gundam-style politics, interpersonal relationships, crazy stuff, mecha anime. Like, I, I, I had forgotten how much I loved stuff like this. And then Genlock came along, and now I am neck-deep in sinking and pondering that long-overdue rewatch of Gundam Wing to 
fill the long empty hours until we get Genlock season two. And I say that jokingly because of course they're not long empty hours. We have Red vs. Blue and Camp Camp and another season of Ruby eventually coming down the line. But yeah, holy cow. I I thought that we would be overhyping this show and overhyping it turned out to not be physically possible. The cast and crew really did an absolutely phenomenal job with this show. And the love and dedication just shines through throughout every moment. And honestly, I was way more into this show than I expected to be. Like, Mecha is cool to me, and I've always enjoyed it, but I've never been super obsessed. And now here I am with Genlock, like, staying up thinking of theories at night and, like, pondering <laughs> over the mech and, like, trying to learn all of this stuff officially. <laughs> Where I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that robot thing. No, 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 now I want the details. So Genlock has been amazing. So now we have to do an off-season mecha review of some sort of mecha yeah. anime. We'll figure it out. Hey, there's Actually, Transformers on Rooster Teeth now. There is. Not quite the same as a mecha anime, but it's a thing. Yeah. It's giant, giant robots. And Take baby steps. <laughs> but they're autonomous giant robots. This is the yeah. midway point of... Cybertron, uh, Julian, <laughs> Julian becomes the Allspark, and <laughs> is the is the crux from which all of a uh, Transformer kind are are coming from. He's got the touch. He's got the power. Does that mean the Nemesis is Unicron? Yes. <laughs> this is all I got. I'll but um, in terms of Genlock season one. Yeah, th- this has been building up for quite some time. The the all of the casting that has been done, the music, the score, uh, the fact that we got Mega Ran in here. This was this is sort of a, a, an accomplishment of all of it. This is an amalgam of all of the years that Rooster Teeth Animation has put in, and while maybe not necessarily every bit of like there wasn't a reference to everything in here. This is the beginning of a new era of RT animation. Anybody who was involved in this show should be very proud of themselves and enjoy a well-deserved break before getting right back into crunch. I mean, Microsoft just announced that the Master Chief Collection is coming to PC. I can imagine what that's going to do for Red vs. Blue production. And there's a whole slew of stuff that's coming out that hasn't even been announced. RTX is only a short time away. I hope we hear something about Genlock by then, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't. This has been an amazing experience. This was a new beginning for us as well. This is our first uh, independent uh, series recap deep dive show that we've done, and I'd like to think that it was pretty successful, and and I want to thank everybody again for coming along with us for this ride. We're learning. We're trying to figure out new ways to do stuff and make stuff more dynamic. But one of the main things moving forward from this show is covering more and splitting and dissecting and really attacking on all fronts. It's not as serious as like a war like this show Bloody Presented, but we are evolving, we are changing, and we're happy that you are along for the ride. But before we go... For this season of Gen Lockdown, everybody, let's hear it one more time. Call signs. Let's hear uh, what you're working on, where people could find you. Megan. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also do a Lost Retrospective podcast called No Love Lost. So be sure to check that out. Katie. 
I'm Katie Cullen. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaget. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. I also write articles and do interviews for Fanversation.com and I am on an Overwatch podcast called On The Point. Stay safe. I'm Stacey Shuttleworth. You can find me all over the web at Stacey Shuttles. Uh, especially find me on Twitter where I'm working on jewelry projects or cosplay projects. Probably need to be yelled at about those cosplay projects. Uh, you can also find me over at Nerds Doing Stuff as convention season for the year ramps up. And I'm Mark Bidonica. You can find me on Twitter at Mark Bidonica. I do a bunch of shows on the internet. If you're a wrestling fan, you can find us at The Wrestle Pros on Twitter. I do a theme park podcast with my wife called Party of Two. You can find us at Party of Two Pod. We're talking a lot about Galaxy's Edge. A whole bunch of information has been dropping. We talk about Universal Studios, Knots, the various Six Flags and Cedar Point uh, theme parks around the country and even around the world in some cases. But uh, if you want to hear more Rooster Teeth related stuff, make sure to stay tuned right here to rooster team radio uh, we're going to be coming with uh, rvb recall as well as a couple of other things that we're working on starting almost as soon but until then thank you so much for joining us for season one of gen lockdown and we'll see you next season